When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, welcome to Uplifting Impact. I am so excited to be here with Shalina Henry. Shalina is the Senior Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion and Off-Premises Dining. She's responsible for cultivating an environment that celebrates diverse backgrounds while providing equitable access to opportunity. And she does all of that at an organization that you may say like, oh, I've never heard of that before, but I assure you, you have heard of one of the brands and you've probably eaten at one of the brands. She is responsible for doing all of that great work at off-premises dining, blooming brands. So a couple of the brands that you might be familiar with, I think the one that we probably most hear is about Outback Steakhouse. She's been with the company in a variety of different roles, but now is really leading their diversity, equity, and inclusion work, and also leading the work that allows all of us to access them, even if we can't come into into the dining room per se. So in that role, her responsibilities in or, or helping to make sure that everybody, whether you're coming into the dining space or whether you're on the team, is having a really wonderful and very inclusive experience. She holds a bachelor's degree in psychology from Ohio State and an MBA from DePaul University. And we have the great fortune of being able to have her on the podcast today. I also am super excited because I get to shout out another one of our partners, which is how we met, which is through the Women's Food Service Forum. Uh, we were able to do some work together in, in 2020 and started a, uh, to build a relationship there and we get to extend it here. So a big shout out to our partners there and all the wonderful work that they're doing to also elevate some of these very similar conversations. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Deanna. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the questions we've been starting our show with, and it's actually, it's bringing me joy, is asking people, what brings you joy? So if you don't mind sharing a a little bit about what brings you joy, we'd like to start there. Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me when I talk about what brings me joy are my, my family. I mean, it's funny because today we launched the Hispanic Heritage Month celebration and we centered it around family. And when I saw that question and I heard the other answer, I'm like, I can't talk about joy without talking about my family. And what's unique about my family is I'm still a little bit of a newlywed. I've only been married for about four years. And we have what we call his, hers, and ours. So we each had a daughter when we got married. We've since had two more daughters. So we're now to total of four. And it brings me so much joy to see them smile and laugh and um, even just spending time with my husband, who I love to travel. And he is willing to allow me to plan adventures and very detailed itineraries that take him into spaces that he's never been to before. Even in countries he's lived in before, I plan events and he's like, oh, we've never done that before. So 
I like to try new adventures and whether that's with my husband or it's with my daughter taking her to Broadway in New York or the littlest, well, one of the little ones, we took my toddler to the museum for the first time. And just a couple of weeks ago and seeing her experience the museum and talking about the museum for the next two weeks has been pure joy for me. I think professionally, I get joy seeing someone's vision come to life. Mm. It doesn't have to be my vision. I can play a role in helping that vision come to life or even just watching it from afar. I look at your story and I look at, you know, my introduction to you was at WFF. And then after following you on LinkedIn and seeing all of the the different ways that you bring this topic to life um, and the different business ventures that you have, that alone brings me joy just to see how it's come to life for you. And even watching your TED talk and knowing, you know, where you come from, I can so relate to your story. Um, Although I'm not biracial, I I have a dad from Mississippi and I I understand that Baptist lifestyle and this big family mindset and to see what you've been able to do with that and the impact that you're making brings me so much joy. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I have to tell you, Justin's going to listen to the podcast and he's going to say, oh, other people do that too, because I'm always sending him on an adventure. Yes. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, a cheerleader and and really supporting us uh, along the way. We can't do any of this work without people who are paying attention, people who are also sharing the information and sharing their wisdom. I, you know, I, people ask me all the time, you know, why'd you start the podcast? And I say like, I was having all these wonderful conversations with people like you Mm. and I'm feeling selfish because I'm like, Everybody should be able to hear all the wisdom that Shalina has, not just me. Uh, so I'm excited to be able to, to bring that to, to the rest of our listeners here today. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for all that you are doing uh, to elevate these conversations. So I want to jump into the restaurant industry. You know, as we think about like what has happened in the last 18 months and all the ways the world has been shook. One of the places that has been hit the hardest is in the entertainment, in the food right sector. And in many ways, those two like overlap in so many different ways as, as sectors. So I'm just really curious, like you've made it through, although I don't know that we're necessarily through might not be the right year. You're still thriving right in this right. moment. Of, of disruption that we're, I think we're still very, very, I won't say through, although I am going to claim that we will get there, uh, you know, but in this moment of disruption, you've been able to thrive. And I'm just curious about how your work in diversity, equity, and inclusion, the work you're doing in diversity, equity, and inclusion has helped with that ability to thrive. How have those two things been interlaced? You know, it's funny you ask, so I'll take it personally and, and then also professionally. I've been in the business for a long time, and I can remember being a 17-year-old server and being the only server in my restaurant who spoke Spanish. In a predominantly Black community that was starting to evolve on the South Side of Chicago, and as we became more multicultural, it was apparent to my leader he needed to hire native Spanish speakers, right? Like I could not be the only person you called to the phone when a customer called and said, I want to order my pizza, but I don't speak English, right? So I've always been very curious about other cultures and the Latin community in particular. So not just learning the language, but understanding the culture was important to me, very young. And then being in this industry, it becomes an imperative. 
as your customers change and your customers evolve, in order to meet the demands of your customers and their expectations, you have to change. It's either change or die. And so, so part of that change is having a staff that reflects the community you serve and look no further than the most recent census data that says the country is changing. So you have to change with the times and make sure that your staff reflects the community that you're serving. And that was a lesson I learned very young, even before I got into management. And over time, my opportunity came for me to run my own restaurant. It was in a predominantly Hispanic community. So I ran a restaurant where 70% of my clients and therefore 70% of my staff were either Spanish speaking or bilingual. Right. So I was very much immersed in the Latin culture. And that's just how we do business. Now, fast forward to 2020. This pandemic has exposed so many gaps in how we embrace each other, how we take care of each other mentally, physically. Like, What are the resources that our communities have and are they equally distributed? It became pretty evident that that was not the case. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I think that we've been able to thrive is the unique thing about the restaurant industry. We have always been a place for people of color and we've always been a place where your hard work pays off. And so it's not a matter of just degrees and what can I say that I've done in my network? It's like, no, are you willing to clean that bathroom? Because if you're willing to clean that bathroom, you might have a, a future here, right? So, so we have been the place where there's never a lack of talent and never lack of talent for people of color. Mm-hmm. So now it's really tapping into that and continuing to advance and elevate that talent because they're right within our four walls. So this work in diversity, equity, inclusion that um, the last 18 months has really amplified the need that if you haven't been doing business this way, you've been missing out and it's become an imperative. It's really not an option anymore. Yeah. You know, I think it's so interesting. So uh, just a couple of, of days ago, I got in the mail a book and it's called Hope is the Thing. For those of you who are viewing, I'll show ah. you. Cover of it, it's called Hope is the Thing. And it was it's put out by the Wisconsin Historical Society. And I was asked at the very beginning of the pandemic to write a piece. And so everybody who wrote in, in here, it's an anthology. It all starts with, everybody's thing starts with hope is, right? And then we filled in mm. the information. And one of the, it was so long ago that I, you know, we had gone through the process and everything. I kind of forgot that, that this piece was, that this piece was coming out. So it was fun to hold the book in, in my hand and page through and read what other people wrote. But when I was in that moment, one of the things that I wrote I really focus on educators and I liken this to to a similar space, right? We have people who are in different sectors who have been doing the hard work for a really long time, but a lot of what they were doing, excuse the, the, uh, the pun here, but a lot of what they were doing was masked, right? We talk about putting masks on. I think some masks came off during this. Yes. Exposure. Exposure, right? Like all of a sudden we got to see like Hey, that's right. We have people who are working really hard in these different sectors in education, in, you know, the, the restaurant business who allow for us to live and to function the way that we do in the, you know, the grocery store, like just all these different, these different places. And how do we use this moment as an opportunity to elevate what should have already been elevated? 
right? The fact that we are, we have people who are doing these things who make life so much better and, and, and are making so many sacrifices. And so anyway, so that was kind of like, when I talked about my hope is like, my hope was the people in these different spaces, I use education as an example, but the people in all these different spaces, we'd elevate. Do you, do you feel like that's happened? And if not, what do we need to do in order to make it happen? Because again, hope is, or if it has happened in what ways have you seen it happen? I think it has happened to amplify the need and expose the fact that there are some incredible people who already live in this way. How do we get the rest of the world to adapt? Um, How do we get other industries to adapt, right? Because the restaurant industry has people of color, but there is a problem even within the restaurant industry that we can't continue to admire because we all recognize it. And that is the fact that people of color play roles that are predominantly frontline, that are predominantly in the kitchen. And even if it's in the front of the house, where you can interact with customers, they're in more junior levels, right? So we still have our own challenges that we have to solve. And that is making sure that we have representation and management and senior levels of management that is equal to those who are working on the front lines. So I think that it's helped, but we still have more work to do Mm -hmm. to make sure that it's leveling the playing field. I will give a shout out to Women's Food Service Forum. They partnered with McKinsey on the Women in the Workplace Study, and they made it very clear that women, oftentimes, multiple industries, this is compounded, right? We play strong roles on frontline and more administrative roles, um, high representation, 50 to 60% of the representation. And then as you progress in your career, this funnel starts to be created. And you say, what happened to the women? And so many times people say, oh, they're off having families and they opted out of the industry. And we've done enough research to say that is not true. So right. I think there's more work to do, but it has, we have made some progress. There's way more to go. You know, I think one of the things that starts any kind of change, whether it, we're frustrated by it or not, you know, you hear people like, well, why did it take so long? Or why, why are we just now getting here? Or what, you know, but most change actually does start with being able to even have the conversation. And so I do think like, even when I think about the podcast and like, how does this play into the bigger picture? It's about igniting some conversations, getting people to a place where they can ask the question, right? Mm -hmm. Have Have a, have a space to be like, Hey, why is it that we have diversity and we're bringing in different groups? but we aren't seeing them elevate. Like, what is this funnel? How are we perpetuating? What's the system? What are the structures we we put into place? And so I think in many ways, someone asked me, you know, like, do do you think that we're going to go back to what the nine to five used to look like, right? Mm -hmm. Where we had nine to five and then we did five to nine. That was when we did some of our our other work or some of our, our, you know, justice work or diversity work or whatever. Mm -hmm. My my response to that always is like, first of all, that didn't really exist for everybody. Right. Oh, so only for a certain group of people who didn't understand that there was a distinction that was, it just our comfort level and being able to talk about what already existed has changed. Mm-hmm. And that's where there's like a fundamental kind of difference, right? Is that as a woman, oh no, before the pandemic, before, you know, social unrest as a woman of color, before this of, of 2020, oh, I knew what it felt like to be the only person in the room. I, I knew what was going on. Oh, yes. We but I didn't have a platform maybe, right? You know what? And and I really, I love the fact that you said earlier it was masked, right? So not a pun, but legitimately masked. And so I want to just tell you a short story about 
disconnection between being the, the only and being masked, right? So I realized last year, the last week of May, the first week of June, I was leading 100 restaurants. I had about 7,000 frontline employees, about 360 managers. And to them, if anyone was going to change anything, it would have to be me, right? Because not only am I their leader, I know what it's like to be on the front lines and I know that path that you have to take. So I made a conscious decision to take off the mask. And we hosted a call with all of our uh, general managers in some organizations. We call them managing partners and proprietors. Mm -hmm. And I finally took my mask off. And when I shared with those partners and our leadership team how I felt being a senior leader and being a woman of color and walking into rooms and spaces and meetings and often being the only and how that processed for me, but even more importantly, how many times in my past I had that feeling of I don't belong here or someone reminded me that I didn't belong. And I started to uncover that. I have people I've worked with for years who said, I didn't know that about you. I've known you all these years and I didn't know. And it's because I consistently wore a mask to say, they don't care about my feelings. They want me to do a job. And so I put my feelings to the side to focus on the job. And I finally got to the point that I said, if I don't, who will? If I don't stand up and take my mask off, what reason do my frontline, my managers, my managing partners, even my joint venture partners have to be honest and have the conversation? And so I started with me and then I invited others to the conversation and I started hosting weekly sessions that I called Unhinged Wednesdays and said, let's just take the mask off. Let's, let's take the door off the hinges. Let's stop pretending. And I actually referenced part of Paul Lawrence Dunbar's We Wear the Mask and, and also a combination of Maya Angelou over time as I started to bring folks into this conversation. And as much as we want systems and processes to change, if we aren't willing to change our behavior and start to uncover the ugly truth, how mm-hmm. do we expect anything to change? You have to label it in order to make a change. So, so true. It's so true. And I think um, so often people think that it doesn't exist because we don't talk about it. Correct. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Right. And like those two things are not they're not always in tandem. And so how do we create environments that allow for us to do that? Because imagine the, the weight that gets lifted, right? I, I, I tell this story and I know we're, we're getting close to our time, but I'll share this here. I one time went to a friend's house and I sat for about two days, like in a, in a basement room, they threw some food at me whatever. And I wrote out story after story after story of things that had happened to me that in the moment, I couldn't even take the moment to process them, right? Like of really like things that when I share it with people, people of color are like, oh yeah, no, I mean, I remember that happened to me or this and that. But when I share it with like more broadly, people are like floored. You see their eyes get big. They literally, that happened, Deanna. I was with you. I didn't know that happened. Why didn't you say that would have caught me off? And it's like, no, this is just part of my regular day-to-day experience. And I remember how cathartic it was, right? To, to kind of have this moment of being like, no, let me just sit with the fact that I didn't get a chance to, I didn't get the luxury of being able to process this. 
because I felt like I had some other bigger thing, but how heavy that is. So if you're listening and that's you and you're in this moment where you're like, oh my goodness, I haven't had that cathartic moment. I haven't had that mask off moment. I haven't had an unhinged Wednesday. I think you said you're doing them on. Yeah. If I haven't had that, give yourself that moment because a lot of the work that we are doing requires us to show up and show up so fully and completely. And it's almost impossible to do if we're not doing some of that self-care. But you know what else I've learned while doing this work? I had the privilege of being able to host that call, have my own unhinged Wednesday. I had the support, although I didn't ask, of my leadership team. I knew based on our relationship, there would not be a consequence. And not everyone in their organization and in their role has the psychological safety to show up as their whole self every day. And part of what I do is to make that happen for others. I recognize my privilege in that moment. My role as a regional vice president in that moment gave me levity that others didn't have. Yeah. And I took it. It was one of those situations where when you leave the door cracked and you say, hey, Shalina, you have the mic. Get ready because I'm going to knock it off the hinges. I am going to let you know how I really feel. And so the work I do now goes into a different set of spaces to say, are you empowering your folks and making them feel safe enough that they can speak truth to you in your position of power? Because so many folks who don't have that capability right now because they're put in positions where they are afraid. If I speak truth, my truth, if I take my mask off, what are the consequences? Who's going to hold that against me? Who's going to hold me back the next time I apply for a job? Right. So the work we do is so critical to making sure that more folks feel empowered and willing, willing, able and feel safe taking the mask off. Yeah. That whole idea of how you use your privilege, because we all have them. They're all different kinds of privileges, but how do you use your privilege? Once you unlock that and you understand it, there's nothing. I mean, there's just there's so much potential, right? There's nothing but potential. So I'm, I'm so glad to hear how you're doing that, how you're using that in the everyday spaces, all the thousands of people who benefit from you being able to have the courage to do that. Thank you for sharing your story here with us on the podcast today. Shalina, if people want to follow you, kind of hear what you're doing, see, be able to do what you do with us, right? See, see how we're growing and all, all of that stuff. What, where should they go? Yeah, I would go to LinkedIn. Um, Shalina Henry, just reach out to me there. Happy to connect. Love to broaden my network and even watch you from afar and see how uh, the work you're doing, wherever you are, will definitely bring me joy and continue to make an impact. Fantastic. So we'll make sure that we put the link in the show notes. And we just want to say thank you for being here with us. We really appreciate being able to learn from you and and hear hear your thoughts. And also want to say thank you to all of our listeners today for listening to another week of Uplifting Impacts episode and our our podcast. Uh, What we believe here is that we need more people who are up there uplifting the impact, right? You cannot do this work alone. So please be sure to share this episode, invite other people to participate in the podcast, comment on the episode, ask us questions. If there's something you want us to start asking our guests, please go ahead and share it. You can do that right at our website, upliftingimpact.com. You can also share your thoughts directly with Justin and I. You can do that on LinkedIn. That is also where we are most active. Would love to be able to continue the conversation there. And just know that we are depending on you 
We're depending on you taking off your mask. We're depending on you helping others take off their mask and to help us keep uplifting the impact. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you back or or, or hear you over the airwaves uh, the next time. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.